Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you for Spring of Life Fellowship. Thank you for the church. Thank you for those who gather to worship on the day of the Lord. We pray, Father God, that the heavens would open uh, for us, Lord, that we might see the supernatural, that we might consider the heavenly, that we might walk consistent with your word, which is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that you be our healer, our savior, our deliverer, that in you we might find and that purpose might be revealed and that significance and identity is revealed, O oh God. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that give forth good fruit, that it would be a double-edged sword, that it would be powerful and living. And Father, penetrate to the depth of our soul and spirit and give us discernment, that it would be the bread of life that we might be nourished, that you might surround us with the blood of Jesus. Father, we pray a hedge of thorns around your people during this season, during this time, during this era, Lord, that you keep our thoughts and our hearts in peace. Father, remove away the anxiety, the depression, the sorrow that fills the heart of those who have no hope. Cover us with the blood of Jesus, Lord. Surround us with your angels. Remove fear far from us, Lord. Pour out your perfect love that cast out fear and allow us to prevail, knowing you and being known by you, Father God. Reveal your purposes and your times and your seasons and give us the narrative of God which prevails. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people say amen. We're talking about the Christmas season. We're right in the middle of what the Hebrew people call Hanukkah. We, we always uh, come into this season. It's, it's right before the new year. It's a glorious time that we actually celebrate the birth of Christ, the child which is given, the son which is revealed and, and, and how glorious it is that this season, we're not stuck on Santa Claus. We're not stuck on a secular paganism celebration of the natural. In fact, from December 10th to the 18th, we're three days into Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is a celebration that celebrates a historical reality amongst the people of God. In John chapter 10, verse 22, we see that Jesus is in the winter time in Jerusalem. So we have time and place. There's a feast called the Feast of Dedication, which is also called the Feast of Lights. It's called the Feast of uh, Celebration, where the temple is being renewed. And there was, there was evidence, historical evidence of things that transpired that created this feast. Hanukkah, the feast of lights, is a time where the Jewish people celebrate the renewal and restoration of the temple. 
And so you could get into the whole historical atmosphere of this celebration. But we see in time and in place that Jesus, verse 23, during the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, in the wintertime, Jesus is walking to the temple. He says, what would Jesus be doing during this time? He would be headed to the house of God. Love that. I love Psalm 122, verse 1. I rejoiced. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This is a psalmist describing the sentiment of those who are excited when they hear the stirring of the hearts of those that are going to the house of the Lord. There in John 10, 23, we see Jesus going to the temple during the winter time, during the feast of dedication. And the Bible says that at that point, that Jesus is approaching the temple, John 10, 23, He's approached by those who surrounded the temple, verse 24. The Jews surrounded him as he was walking into the temple and they said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, tell us in a way we might see it plainly. There's some people that complicate the things of God. God makes his reality simple. And so we were talking about the funeral and the burial this weekend, and we were able to see how God makes it simple. We were able to visit the scriptures and see the transition from this life to the next. And our hope is in what God says, let every man be a liar, let God be true. Quit mixing all the things in your life by tapping into those things that are not the Bible. So the Bible is revealing this time of Jesus' entrance into the temple. He's surrounded by some people saying, if you're the one, tell us plainly. I want to make sure that we not miss God's narrative during the Christmas season. So we've called this Christmas. It's the narrative of God that will prevail. I have a timeline of what is taking place in Jerusalem Jerusalem was, was taken over by the Babylonian Empire and they took a lot of the Jews to Babylon during the times of Daniel and Cyrus the king after 70 years lets the Jews go back. The book of Haggai, we read it, the great reset, our preaching of a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, Jerusalem is invaded by Babylon first, then Persia. The Persians come and they conquer Jerusalem. And after the Persians comes the Greek empire with Alexander the Great. So you see the historical development of each empire. First the Babylonian empire, the Persian empire, the Greek empire. They all conquer Jerusalem and establish all manner of craziness in this place. There was hostility and political unrest and there was persecution. 
And every time an empire came in, it seemed like the people of God had to mutate. They had to transition into another culture, into another mindset. And even during that time of the Greeks, where they tried to assimilate Jerusalem into a Greek existence, it didn't last too long because then the Roman Empire comes in. And here during the Greek conquest with Alexander the Great, they established all matter of turning the Hebrew tradition into Greek Hellenistic society. And it sounded good until they took over the temple and then they started establishing laws forbidding the people of God to practice their faith. And so you see all the shaking and all the things going on that are surrounding that place that God has his eyes upon. And I want to say in the middle of this whole scenario, the, the whole scenario that God's narrative is the one that prevails. What's it mean? It doesn't matter that the Babylonians came in, the Persians came in, the Greeks came in, the Romans came in. Guess what? Jesus came in. It didn't stop God's story. So we're hearing all manner of stuff on the TV. Oh my God, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. What God said is going to happen. And the fact that we could be lost in the shuffle is of serious concern to many. Because there's not a lot of people that are attentive to a personal relationship with God. And you'll see all the players that happened during this time. Jesus is going over to the temple. He's going to celebrate Hanukkah. He's going to celebrate the time during the Greek conquest under Alexander the Great that the temple got taken over. And the Maccabees, a valiant, courageous people of faith, got together to fight and take the temple back. It's just a historical time of incredible expressions of, of victory of those who love the house of God and are fighting the battles of the Lord and are courageous. And so the, the, the lead father of that family is, suffers loss and his five sons come in his place and they retake the temple and they reconquer Jerusalem. And so they, they cause the Greeks to leave that place and then the Romans come in. But the story of Hanukkah is the miraculous military victory. And during that time, they only had oil to light up the, the menorah for a couple of days, but the oil lasted for eight days. And while they were sanctifying and, and purifying the next oil to put into the lamp to continue to allow its light to burn... There was a miracle that took place and the, the, the menorah kept on being lit in the temple. And they started saying, you know something? This is the occasion, the festival of dedication. They're going to rededicate the temple. And the oil did not run out. 
And so the Jewish commemorate during this time that whole process of historical victory. It was uh, an incredible time. As we're looking at these matters, I'm reminded also of the time that, that all of Jerusalem is waiting to see what's going to happen. And here it is in Luke chapter 2 verse 7. The next episode after the festival of lights is the fact that Mary brings forth a firstborn son. They're like saying, you know, when, when will the light of God come to the world? And it's at the birth of Christ. It's during the same time as, as this festival of lights. They're asking Christ, if you're the one, tell us plainly. He's like, I'm the one. All the prophecies are fulfilled in me. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 talks about me. For unto us a child is born. This is a great messianic passage in the Old Testament. 500 years before Jesus is born, the Spirit of God is announcing a son is given. There will be a kingdom, a government upon his shoulders. He's going to bring a rule. So why a lot of people don't come to Jesus. They don't want any rule in their life. They want anarchy. They want to do what they want, how they want, where they want, as much as they want with whom they want. But Jesus comes with government. He comes with rules. He comes with a kingdom, a, a, a place of order, place of accountability. You don't come in and out of the kingdom as you choose. You're accountable to the people God has placed in your life. And his name will be called Wonderful. He will be called Counselor. These are all the attributes that Christ brings into your life. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This, this open heavens to show forth the son that would be born in Luke 2, 7. She brought forth a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. This is the Christmas story. And we don't have time to be entertained by elves. Man, if you have an elf on a shelf, the devil's in your house. You're bringing lies to your house. If you're talking to your children about Santa Claus, if you're trying to cater to a secular Christmas existence, you're the most miserable among all men. You're going to leave your children with elves? You're going to leave your children with a fat old man coming down the chimney? That's the best you could do for Christmas? And you're missing out the Messiah, the king of creation, the king of glory. We, we owe it to him. If there's any generosity during the Christmas season where we're giving gifts to family and friends, it's because God gave the greatest gift of all. Tell your children about God. Quit with the Santa narrative because all it does is bring darkness into the hearts of your children. It's a bunch of lies. But the Christmas story is true. And it's light. And it, it allows darkness to be removed from your home. So she brought forth a child and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Read the Bible to your children. 
go to the chapters in the Bible that talk about the Christmas story, the greatest story ever told. Pastor, why are you so passionate about this? Because I cannot stand that God created a narrative that will prevail and you're on the outskirts of stupidity walking in the fairy tales of the make-believe. We were talking about that during this burial session. That, that confronts every man with serious uh, attention. When you see one of your loved ones dead before you, you begin to question and say, what is this? I talked about walking into Barnes and Nobles about five years ago. I walked into a bookstore. This is the general populist bookstore here in town. And when I walk in there, I ask the manager, how much of your store is full of fiction? The word fiction means fake. And he says, our store is 80% fiction. The people come to buy things that are not true. I'm like, man, we're living in some terrible times. So I always walk into the bookstore, and I love to go to the place of nonfiction. I love to go to the place of history and to biographies and to learn about things that really happened and not the fake stuff. I had one young man here at the church. He says, my father reads about five science fiction, fake science books this thick every year. So his son knows him to be a faker. And that's what he is, a faker. There's no reality in his life. But God wants us to know real things. And he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You're not going to live a fanciful life. You'll live a real life. You'll be who you really are. There will be no makeup and pretense. There's going to be substance and reality. And Christ delivers this during the Christmas season. He's birthed in Bethlehem. He's... Um, there in a manger. The Bible says that he laid, he was laid in a manger because there was no room for him at the inn. In the place where they should have opened the doors and say, behold, thus comes the Messiah. They're like, sorry, there's no room for you in our lives, Jesus. Maybe around the back, maybe we'll keep you in a hidden place a stable that's full of animals and stench and odors. Maybe we'll keep you there in that place of our life. Some people, the only place they have in their life for Jesus is in the little manger scene under the Christmas tree. And they've kept Jesus out of being the real king and savior of their lives and their families and the worship and the celebration in the house of God. And so here during this season, I wanted, to, I wanted to tell you that during this time of the birth of Jesus, so many things are taking place. We see so many actors. While the supernatural reality of God's promises are being fulfilled upon the earth, there's a lot of people living another narrative, another story. And so while he was looking for a place, they said, there's no place for you here. Go around the back in the stable. And there, Jesus was born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Messiah, the prince of the universe. And here, the shepherds are invited to participate, and they came and worshiped, and they saw the evidence of God's promises. And then we see the wise men coming from the east. 
and we're thrown into a wonderful tailspin that there's still wise men seeking God's narrative upon the earth. It was incredible that they would arrive in Jerusalem during the Roman conquest. The Roman emperors had taken over Jerusalem after the Greeks. And here these three wise men came from the Orient, from the East. And they were educated astrologers with great knowledge and high positions in society. They were prominent men looking for the fulfillment of God's promise upon the earth. This is no longer fancy. This is no longer fairy tale. This is a reality in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was the conquest of Herod. In the days of Herod, an actual king, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. I don't know about trying to water down Christmas to some secular paganistic consumer celebration. I want to tell you as a lawyer, many of the families that were walking in a spirit that was not the spirit of God, but they were trying to, we're going to have Christmas, but it was on the natural plane. God wasn't a part of it. And many of those families, I know that a very close family member took off to go skiing one year. There's like 25 people, they wanted to go skiing and watch the snow and watch the mountains, and that's beautiful. But they had to return within two days because their brother committed suicide. He was left here alone. He was left here depressed. And then he had children, they were small children, but his selfishness took him to take his life and to bring all that doom and gloom and depression that he hadn't found Jesus. They weren't celebrating the Lord. They weren't looking at open heavens. And so during the days of, of Jesus' birth, there's all manner of players. As I see what the Bible says, there's Jesus was born, so there's that presence of reality taking place and there in Bethlehem, there's a king, the, the highest order of authority is not a Christian. You know, a lot of people are like, I can't believe we don't have a Christian president. Listen, forget about the Christian president or the ungodly president. You better have God's narrative in this season. Don't be lost about Herod because Herod has his own plans. And then there was not only Herod, there was not only Jesus, there was not only Herod, there was the wise men that were seeking the Lord. Are you those people? Are you the people that in this season, um, last, yesterday we were talking and some people were like, you think I'll find the will of God by, by going into a, a Christian mingle or Christian tingle or will I find the purpose of God in some computer little cyber world where I can find my wife no God has your wife God has your husband 
God has times and seasons that he's set. You know why you're missing them? Because you're not seeking God. You're not attentive to giving yourself over to God. We talked about it on Wednesday. There's, there's a, a young girl who says, I can't believe I can't find my, my prince. I said, you know why? Because you're not the princess that he's looking for. Why don't you start seeking the Lord with all your heart and surrender to Jesus Christ and devote your expression of who you are to God so somebody might notice a special woman, a virtuous woman, a woman in whom there is no deceit and nothing vain and nothing that's going to lose and distract you. So a woman has to be godly, a man has to be godly, but listen to me, if you have a selfish man, he's never going to find a woman. If you have a selfish woman, she's never going to find a man because she's too consumed with self. And nobody's attracted to somebody who's selfish. It's all about you. So these are the attractions of God for our time. Are you going to be the wise men or will you be the chief priest and the elders, the experts of religion? You know all the Bible says, but you're not where you need to be. That, that blows me away. It says there, verse 1, they were asking, verse 2, where is he who will be born the king of the Jews? For we have noticed his star in the east, and we've come to pay tribute. We've come to worship him. Listen, this is phenomenal. Jesus is where he needs to be with Mary, with Joseph. They're living out the will of God, the truth of God. There's Herod who could care less. He wants to kill King Jesus so that he will continue to be king. Don't steal my thunder, Jesus. He tells the wise men, tell me where Jesus is so I could go worship him. He didn't want to worship Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. And the wise men were saying, you know something? We've been trained. We've been um, prepared and groomed to follow what we've learned in the east. What was in the east? You know what was in the east? It was the Persian Empire. And that's where Daniel was. And Daniel was able to teach all manner of expressions. Look what it says in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was disturbed. And since he was disturbed, he decided to disturb all Jerusalem with him. Listen, if you're not following God's narrative, God's story, you will be under somebody like Herod that is troubled. And since you're under somebody who's troubled, all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. And King Herod, he was listening about this account of God's narrative. And God's narrative bothered Herod. Do you know someone like that? I do. I, I know people that they don't want to know what God wants. One man said, I know what God wants, but I'm not going to tell you. That's a sad story because if you know what God wants, you should tell everybody. So they, they participate with the things of God. We don't want to miss God. We don't want to be listening to another tune. We don't want to be dancing to another drumbeat. Here it is, Herod heard that they were looking for a king and he was troubled. And then verse 4, he asked a question. He called 
together all the chief priests, the elite religious order of his day. Can you believe that the religious elite of Jesus' day, they know exactly what God wants. They know exactly what God has said. And he inquired of them. He gathered all the leaders and he started asking them, where will Christ be born? How many want that address? Where can I find God? Where can I hear from heaven? Right here at Spring of Life. We want to tap into the thoughts of God. We want to hear what heaven has to say in this season. So when he tapped into the elders and the religious elite and the leaders, another player in the day, we have people today that know the things of God like the back of their hand, but they're not moved and concerned with these matters. Verse 5, they said to him, it is written in Bethlehem of Judea. The prophets have told us. Where? Bethlehem. Where's the king going to be? Bethlehem. It's easy. We, we know it. It's happening down the street. We are not concerned about it. We're not there. We have another narrative. God knows what the narrative of the chief priests and the scribes were. We have them in our midst. Pastor, I'm going to be super spiritual. So I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to disconnect from the pastors. And then I'm going to find God. No, you're not. You're not going to find God. You know how to find God. And God wants us to be in the narrative of God. It's the story. It's the declaration of God which prevails. And they said, yeah, we know it's happening down the street. They're not in Bethlehem. They're not worshiping. They're not following the star. Verse 6. And you, Bethlehem, they even quoted the scripture. Land of Judah, you're not the least amongst the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They were quoting the prophets. They were quoting scriptures. There's people that could quote scriptures and say what the prophets say. They have no desire to fulfill the call of God upon their lives. Most miserable amongst all men. Those who, always comparing them to the devil. The devil knows everything about God and has chosen not to obey, not to submit, not to worship. He wants to be worshipped as the, as the single most expression of existence. He knows everything. But he does nothing of what he knows. That makes for a perfect devil. Some men come here to the church and they say, Pastor, teach me the Bible. I said, no way, not in a thousand years. Why? Because if I teach you what the Bible says and you don't do what the Bible says for you to do, all you are is a potential big devil. There's a woman here in town. She's left her husband, her family, her church. She started her own church. She says, I'm going to, that's a perfect combination for a devil. A woman who's not accountable to her husband and to her church. She's just doing her own thing. That becomes evidence of devil work upon the earth. 
So these men knew about Christ. They knew about where he was going to be born. They were the experts and the elite of the religious establishment. I have run from that my whole life. Some people say, well, Pastor, I want to know the deep things of God. You know, I want to know the simple things of God. Because if I'm not loving my neighbor, what good is it for me to know about the seventh heaven or, or the seventh trumpet or the four horsemen of the apocalypse? Why do you want to know so much and do so little? You're walking in the nature of Satan. I want to know whatever I know, and I want to make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do. Lest I become a hypocrite, and I become a poser, and I pretend to walk with God, and I don't. So here it is. They knew the time. They knew the place. They knew Jerusalem. They knew Bethlehem. They knew Judah. They knew the shepherd would be born there. Verse 7, Herod secretly called for the wise men. He secretly called for those that were tapping in to wanting to know God and follow God to determine what time the star appeared. He wanted, hey, tell me a little bit more about how you guys are pursuing God's narrative. Verse 8, they sent him, then he sent them to Bethlehem. Go and search carefully for this young child, and when you have found him, bring him, bring back word to me that I also might come and worship him. Not on his life. He had no desire to worship the child, or he would have gone with the wise men. He was interested in finding the child so he could kill him. We see this coming up here. Verse 9, they went their way. They departed when they heard the king. And behold, the star. I want to talk about the star a second because I believe in the supernatural divine intervention of God. What's that mean? There are certain things that God has in place that will lead you in the direction you're going. And they come from heaven. God will use certain things that will promote your direction towards God. And you know who those people are. They're not interested in friendship. They're not interested in flattery. They're not interested in popularity. As you come across them, you get closer to God. Uh, Pastor, I don't like you very much, but when I'm around you, I, I get closer to God. Well, that's my function. It's not that you like me. It's that you please God that you hear from God, that whatever I say and live draws you nearer to the will of God. So that when you, I know that a lot of people are going to love me when they get to heaven. They're going to say, thank God you were so strong. Thank God you kept on edging me towards the purpose of God. When they found before God the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know they're going to do it. They're going to look at me and they're going to smile because everything would have been worth it. But these men went on their way and they departed and behold the star, the intervention of heaven that allows you to come closer to the purpose of God that was in the east. It, it, it was seen again and went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Isn't that awesome that God has provided everything for you to lead to Jesus? And you got to be super arrogant and you got to be super twisted and rebellious 
to not allow God to lead you to Christ. And what's it going to take? How many, how, many, how many times will God bring a man of God, a word of God, an inspiration, an encouragement to come before God? And so they found themselves following all the elements to, to see eye to eye the child. And they ran into the provision of God. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. There's nothing like tapping in to what God has prepared for you to get close to God. In fact, I know for, this is historically a testimony, that those people that come close to God and they find God, there's no greater joy. There's no greater high. There's no greater attraction upon the earth than finding God. That's why it dictates the rest of our life when it's a reality and stops being a religion. And there it is. They rejoice with great exceeding joy. Verse 11, after they entered the house, no longer the manger. This was sometime after the manger. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. All of those of you that are worshiping the mother, you got to stop that attraction You better worship the son. You better worship the king of glory. They worship Jesus, the young child. And it says that they opened up gifts and they presented gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were were bringing all manner of treasure to the king. They knew that there was a secret in worship. We talked about this during the great reset. You should listen to that sermon here at Spring of Life Fellowship, that when you worship God with the best, God says gold and silver is mine. Now sit back and watch me shower you with untold blessings of incredible heavenly generosity. There was a secret behind worship. If I could worship Jesus, heavens will open over my life. A lot of you are into business, into endeavors of earthly pursuit, you're not going to find treasure in abundance. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one wealthy and adds no sorrow. You need the blessing of the Lord. How do you get the blessing of the Lord? Worship properly. Worship as a priority. Worship thoroughly, intensely, authentically. Let God take first place in your life and then sit back and watch him pour out provision that you will have no, not enough room for. Why? Because he expects you to be generous with what he gives you. There'll be more than enough. If you're not having more than enough, you haven't made God your all. That's a good place to say amen. Give God your best and watch him pour out his best. Here it is. When the star was revealed, they worshiped him. They presented gifts Verse 12, and having been warned, here comes God again. They're warned by God in a dream not to go back to Herod. Matthew 2, verse 12, God tells you which way you're to go. And they were warned by God not to go back to Herod to tell him where the child was. They departed to their country another way. This is all historical. This is factual. This is reality. 
Verse 13, it says, when they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and says, get up and take the child and the mother and flee to Egypt and there remain until I tell you. For Herod intends to search for the child in order to destroy him. You see, when you tap into what God is seeing and God sees everything, no one's going to deceive God. I'm blown away by this whole account of the Christmas story because we're living times now that you want to be in touch with God's narrative and understand that his narrative will prevail. So if you've become the religious elite, if you're like, I believe it was the the Good Samaritan story, and Jesus tells a parable in Luke 10.30, And he says there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered some thieves and some robbers. He tells the account of the Good Samaritan and the thieves stripped the man of clothing. They wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And I believe this is our surrounding of our times. All social media, all the the narrative of all the news outlets, they will leave you bruised, They will leave you wounded. They will strip you of your garments and leave you half dead. Verse 31 says that as this man lay on the street, a certain priest came down. And when he saw the man, he crossed the street and left him alone. I don't want to be like that. I want my, my sentiments to have the same passions of my profession, my confession. I don't want to be Christian and not practice what I preach. What good is it? I don't want to boast in theological pontification and miss out what God is looking for. Verse 32, he says, while this man lay on the street wounded and beaten half dead, the priest went by, but also the Levite. And he arrived at that place and came and looked and he passed on the other side. Let me avoid putting my devotion into compassion verse 33 the bible says that the samaritan a stranger who was traveling came upon this man and saw him and had compassion verse 34 he went to him and he bandaged him his wounds he poured out the oil and the wine he set him on his own animal And brought him to a place of rest that would take care of him. Verse 35. He paid for the man to stay to get better. He departed. He looked out. He took two denarius and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of this man. And whatever more you spend when I come, I'm going to repay you. Whatever it takes, I'm going to pay the price. God doesn't want religious elite. He doesn't want people that know the narrative but don't live the narrative. The Christmas season is a great time for us to understand that we're to live in the manner, verse 36, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to him who fell amongst the thieves? We're living some perilous times, and people want to destroy Christ, God's narrative, The Bible says that in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, when Herod found out that he had been tricked by the wise men, 
Is that where we're at? Matthew 2.16, sorry. When Herod realized that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry and sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, a great slaughter in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which it had been determined from the wise men. Verse 17 says, Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, verse 18, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. We all know that Herod dies and Joseph and Mary come back and we see the principles that are living out the purpose of God. We see the witnesses that are observing what God has said coming true. We see the followers and the people that are called the church that are not going to let go of Jesus. And some of you look at the church like a waste of time. Listen, you have no clue what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. She pursues her husband to be the bridegroom with all of her heart. She's not concerned about anything else. I want to be found blameless upon his return. All these historical elements prove one thing, that the narrative of God prevails. Forget about what's in Herod's heart, what's in social media, what's in politics, what's in science, what's in in all the fear-mongering, people are asking, hey, are you getting the vaccine? Listen, you better get Jesus. You better make sure that you're on the right side of history. You better not be lost in the narrative of other people during this season. There's nothing in my heart that desires more than people would know God. Because there's always those people that are lying cheating and stealing the bible says the last days will be a time of great deception even religious people will be claiming to know god that don't know god people will stand behind a pulpit and not preach truth people will not give you the true story they want to entertain you this is not the time to visit santa at the mall this is not the time to celebrate the easter bunny this is the time to fall on our face before the living God, to bow down before God and get right. The religious experts know everything. They study every theological element, but they miss God. The government, whether it is Herod or Alexander the Great or the great empires upon the earth, they miss God. Science misses God. The surrounding elements of our time and place show that it is time to seek him with all of our hearts. In Daniel chapter 2 verse 1, these wise men had been studying under Daniel. I love this story of chapter 2 of Daniel. It says in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and his spirit was troubled that he could no longer sleep. And I know that there's a lot of people living that reality right now. 
And as he had his dream, verse 2 says, it troubled him. The surrounding elements of the last days are troubling. So he commanded a call to all the wise men and astrologers and sorcerers to tell the king the dreams. So they came and stood before the king. They said, if you tell us what you dream, we'll interpret it. He says, no, you have to tell me my dream and you have to interpret it. And they said, never since the beginning of time have we ever seen Verse 10, the sorcerers and all these knowledgeable men said like this, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, Lord, or ruler has ever asked for such a thing from his wise men, astrologers and Chaldeans. There's never been a time where we need to know what is happening then now, God has to reveal that. It is troubling to see what we're seeing all over the earth. And so they were looking for a man who could reveal what was happening in the times and what would explain. And the king says, you know something? Verse 11 Furthermore, what the king demands is unusual and difficult thing indeed. No one except the gods can reveal it to the king and their dwelling. Here, here he, they're saying, listen, what you're asking for, for us to reveal time, seasons, place, what's happening, what's troubling you, it's not going to happen. And the verse 12 says, the king was so indignant and furious, he gave a commandment to kill, destroy all the wise men of Babylon. One of the things that really is very sensitive in my heart is the amount of preachers that are behind pulpits that are not revealing God's narrative. They're talking about a million things, but not about what's going on and how they, the people of God should proceed. We need to have men of God. Verse 13, so the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. Let's, let's finish off with all the preachers that are not giving God's narrative. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. There's some guy over there. He says he knows God. Let's go get him. He says he's a wise man. Let's go kill him. And when they're in pursuit of Daniel, Daniel began to ask God, God, reveal to me, verse 16, Daniel went in and asked the king to appoint a date and a time so that he might reveal to the king the interpretations of the dream. Verse 17, I love verse 17 because wise men hang out with wise men. Be careful with those people that surround themselves by fools. That Daniel went to his house and met, made his decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Let's get down to some serious seeking the mind of God. Let's gather with wise man. What for? Verse 18. In order that they might seek compassion. That they might seek the mercies of the God of heaven. This is the season that we should be seeking God to have mercy on us and our children. Concerning the secret. So that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. We should read chapter 2 of Daniel thoroughly. 
And I love what says in verse 19, when you seek God with all your heart, you're going to find him. It says, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I want God to speak to us in this season. I don't want us to miss God. I don't want us to be so caught up on earthly affairs that we miss the purpose of God in our lives, in our church. God has the church and she stands on the center platform of history's reality. It's not a political party. It's not a, uh, it's not a political position. It's those people who seek God. The Bible says God seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Lord, make us that people. Reveal your secrets to us. Bless us, O God of heaven. Verse 20. Daniel answered, Blessed be the name of our God forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He's able to bring us where we need to be in this season. He's able to make us focus. When I was talking to a young person about their companion, their relationship with their the opposite gender. And they're like, Pastor, when, when you talk about these things, where's all the romance and all the love and all the, listen to me, put your feet on the ground and live according to God's time and season and quit living according to Cupid. Quit living according to pixie dust. Be grounded in the promises of God. Verse 21, it is God who changes times and season. He is the one who raises up and removes kings he gives wisdom to the wise he gives knowledge to those who understand you don't want to miss God he's the one that reveals the profundity the profound hidden things verse 22 if you want to know the secrets of God seek the God of these secrets in spirit and in truth. He knows what you have not seen. What is dark to you, his light will reveal. What a novelty. I get right with God and all the things that God has for me come to pass. So verse 23, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, God of my fathers, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you've made to know to me what we have requested of you. For you have never made, you, you have made known to us those things that concern the king's demands. Verse 25, verse 24. So Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise man. And he went and said to him, do not execute the wise man of Babylon. Bring me before the king and I will reveal the king's dream. In verse 25, then Ariok hurriedly, hurriedly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man. He lives amongst the exiles of Judah who will explain to the king his dream. What's going on? Verse 26, the king said to Daniel, are you able to reveal to me the content of the dream which I have seen and interpret it. And look what Daniel says. It's so glorious. I love verse 27. Daniel answered the king and said, regarding the mystery about which the king has inquired, there's no wise man, there's no enchanter, there's no magician or astrologer 
or soothsayer that can declare to the king what he's asking? Verse 28, but there is a God. There is a God in heaven who reveals his secrets. It is he who has made known what will be in the latter days, your dream and the visions of your, that you heard upon your bed. And he begins to reveal that. I, that's the message I've brought today. Let us understand that it is God's narrative that prevails. And we need to be really tuned in to seeking God with all of our heart in this season. We're, we're living the time of our life. We're, we're living the promises of God fulfilled. God answers prayer. God is good to those who wait upon him. We know so many things about God. We need to press into those things or we miss God. Because you have taken another narrative in your pursuit. You have heard a voice louder than God's voice in your life. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you bless your people and bring us into the narrative of God that prevails for our lives, for the church, for the kingdom, for ministry, that we be close to those who love you with all of their heart, all of their mind, all of their strength, that we be the people of God who have oil in our lamps when the bridegroom comes, that we seek your face and nothing more, Lord, that we seek first the kingdom of God is righteousness so that all things will be added. Allow us to be participants of your move upon the earth in the last days and remove from us anything that is frail and faulty and deceptive and wayward that causes us to miss God. This we pray in Jesus' name and all the people said amen, amen, and amen. We're going to be here at 3 o'clock for the baptism classes and at 4 o'clock we leave to the baptism we're going to have a glorious afternoon and continue to meditate upon these things and asking God, God, I want to hear your narrative because that's the one that prevails. God bless you. Love you.